Open your Bibles with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You know, I can identify with that Gadarean maniac so very well. I came back from Vietnam, and they went to the Philadelphia Naval Hospital in 1st of May and stayed in there till August. Got out, then I was put in the VA hospital in Cincinnati for a long time. Was out for a while, and then I went to Chillicothe, a long, long-term hospital. And I thought I'd stay there the rest of my life. Honestly, thought I'd be there for years. But God had such wonderful mercy on me. And uh, if I hadn't, the Lord hadn't gave me a a good wife that washed out for me and cared for me. But I'll never forget, somebody came to visit me in that hospital, and they said to me, she said, don't, they just said, don't give up hope. There's hope in Jesus. And man, that kindled, that kindled something in me just, just, just like that. So I can identify that Gadarian maniac. I really can. And the Lord had compassion on me. Had compassion on me. All right, Ephesians 2. Let's start reading here in verse 7 and down to verse 10. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The title of my message this evening is Three Great Gospel words. Three great gospel words. God's glorious and eternal purpose towards the world is being carried out. He is carrying out His will and His purpose in this world. But He's particularly carrying out His purpose towards His elect. He's carrying out His will in all of our lives, saving His people. And you mentioned it already that he uses words. God uses words. We have his word. And words are vehicles of communication. They're vehicles that we use to communicate thoughts. God gave us his word to communicate to us. He sent his son to communicate himself to us. And words are wonderful, especially if you know the meaning of them. If you know the meaning of them. David last night, he expressed told us the meaning of that word evil out of Isaiah 50. He told us the meaning of that word evil. It's wonderful. And, but there's words, if you know the meanings of these words, like here it says, he, you, that word dead. If you know what dead in sins means, dead. If you know what that means. You're not dead like this. You're not dead mentally. You're not dead emotionally. But you're dead spiritually. You understand that word. And then he says, you are quickened. 
If you know what quicken means, that means that he brought you to life. He gave you life from that death. And then, you know, he talks here about together. Do you know that everything Christ did, we did too? It says that we was chosen. We, you know, there it says what in verse Verse 5, we were quickened together with Christ, raised up together with Christ, made to set together with Christ. Together. <laughs> together. And in God, we know what, when we say God, we know what we're talking about. We know who we're talking about. Our God's always with the capital G. And when Paul described God's, he said there's God's many, little g. But one God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One God. And this God has no pretenders. He has no equals. He has none like Him. Nothing like Him nowhere. In fact, we're going to spend eternity in the ages to come learning about God. Learning about our Lord Jesus Christ. Learning and rejoicing in what He's done for us in this world. We're going to spend our eternity. And then we hear this word riches. Riches. Oh, listen, talking about the riches of His grace. You know, when you find that word riches, it's wealth. It means wealth. Do you know anybody wealthier than our Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> you know anybody wealthier than Him? He's been given to He's been given to His saints out of His treasures, out of His wealth, out of His riches. And beloved, He is as rich and as wealthy today as He was from the first time He started. <laughs> and, and we're going to, and we inherit this wealth. What He has is ours. Mm. Oh, and in the ages to come. And when we look for a motive, look for a motive in God doing anything for us, the Scriptures is the only thing that give us as an answer. Here in verse 4 of chapter 2, it says, But God, but God, who is wealthy, wealthy in mercy. Oh, John Bunyan said he has bags of mercy he's never yet broke on. But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. In Ephesians 1.5 He says He saved us according to His good pleasure. The good pleasure of His will. It just pleased Him to do it. This pleased Him to do it. But we have in our text here in Ephesians 2.8 for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. We have three blessed, glorious gospel words. Saved, grace, and faith. <laughs> saved. And lots of people use these words. I hear it used lots of times. I, you know, I go lots of places and be around a lot of people, and they say, Do you get anybody... Did you get anybody saved last weekend? No. Well, we had three saved in ours. We got three saved. Lady asked me one time, how do you, how do you like to, do you like to say that you got saved or the Lord saved you? I said, I like to say the Lord saved me. 
because that's what happened. The Lord saved me. And I only thing I contributed to it was my sin. And He saved me from that. And oh, listen. And a lot of they use these words grace and faith and they use them over and over and sometimes they lose their meaning. They don't mean the same thing they do to us. And if they ever had any meaning to them at all, they've, they've abused them till they have no more meaning. But let's look at this word saved. Look at this word saved. Saved from what? Saved from what? Well, it talks about there in verse 1, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Men need to be saved. And I've often asked this question, and people ask it all the time, said, you know, if, if, if they have little children get saved, and I said, what would they get saved from? And you know, if a person gets saved at four or five years old, they're old enough to go to hell, perish too. But when we talk about being saved, when someone is saved, it means that they are in danger. You got to, people don't want to be saved unless they're in danger, unless they're in trouble, unless they're needing rescue. And so there has to be a danger, there has to be trouble, there has to be something going on in a person's life that they want to be saved from that trouble. They want to be saved, they want to be rescued. They want to be saved from their danger. And you know the human race is in danger. There was a time I was in danger and didn't know it. Who was in danger? I was in danger of God's justice. God's justice was like a big sword hanging over us. And I tell you, God's justice will not let anybody, David said, God's justice will not let anyone get away with one sin. Not one, God's justice refuses, refuses to let anybody get away with even one sin. And then not only we're in danger with God and His justice, but we're in danger with God's law, in trouble with God's law. God's law demands perfection. God's law demands obedience. God's law demands that we love God with all our heart, love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the two laws. That's, that's where they all hang on that. And then we're in trouble over sin. Oh my, how in the world are we going to get out of that? How are we going to get out of this trouble? How are we going to be saved from justice? How are we going to be saved from law? How are we going to be saved from sin? And we find out that we have no power to save ourselves. He said we were dead. Dead. Dead man can't do anything. But oh, listen. For by grace are you saved. 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 <laughs> Let me give you three tenses of saved. Look over here in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Three tenses. I, 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 I really believe verse 4, but I'm only going to talk about three. I believe verse 4, but I'm going to talk about three. Because this is what the scripture says to us right here. He says in verse 8, you know, three tenses of saved. We were saved, are saved, and shall be saved. And let me give you an illustration before I start here like this. Here's the thing about a man. Say he's out in a ship, he's out in a boat, and he gets off that ship, he gets thrown out in the water. And he's, his boat sinks and he's out there in the water from a shipwreck. Well, the, some, a boat comes along. 
A boat comes along and he starts hollering at that boat. Here I am, here I am. And he automatically gets hope. I'm going to be saved. Well, they pull him in the boat. He's saved the minute he's in that boat. But he's still fearful. He's still worried. He says, Listen, I've done been in one shipwreck. Will I ever make it back to land? So he's saved out of the water. He's in the boat. The minute he's in that boat, he's saved. But he's worried. He's scared. Am I going to get to land? And when he gets to that land, he gets feet on that solid ground. He said, oh, I'm saved now. And that's the way it is with us. <laughs> We're going to stand on that solid ground. But look what he said here in Ephesians 1.8. 2 Corinthians 1.8. For we would not have you, brethren, ignorant of our trouble. Now see, he's in trouble. And I tell you, we want to be saved from trouble. Which came to us in Asia that we were pressed out of measure. We had such a burden that we despaired even of life. We thought we're not going to get through this. We're going to die in this situation. And so what we did, we put, we passed sentence of death on ourselves. If this is the Lord's will, that'll be fine. And he done this, that we passed the sentence of death in himself, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God. So if we'd have died, he's going to raise the dead. But here's what he goes on to say. Who delivered us from so great a death. That's our first salvation. Huh? And does deliver. That's our second salvation. In whom we trust that he will yet deliver. He did deliver. He does deliver. And one of these blessed days, he shall deliver. Well, oh my. Mm. And i tell you what. And I tell you, we are being saved right now. Paul's told the Hebrews, he says, you know, he said, if we're not of them who draw back unto perdition. Oh no, we're not unto them who draw back. And if anybody can leave the gospel, they will. If a man can leave the gospel of the grace of God, if he can leave this blessed gospel, if he can do it, he will. But I'm telling you, when our Lord Jesus saves a man, he continually is saving that man. We're not of them who draw back. Draw back from what? Draw back into sin? Draw back into rebellion? Draw back into darkness? Go back into enmity against God? Oh! But oh, he says, we are being saved. We're not of them that draw back. But he said, we believe. We are them that believe. How long? To the saving of the soul. <laughs> That's what we say when somebody we love or somebody we know gets called home. You know what we say? The Lord called them home. They said they went home. That's why we get homesick sometimes. Because this world's not our home. And let me give you the next word. Back over in Ephesians two, gray uh, saved, saved, saved. You got you, 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 you. Those fellows was in trouble in that boat, and they got up, said, "Lord, don't you care?" And the Lord saved them from their trouble. He saved that ma ma maniac from his trouble. 
And boy, I tell you what, I'd love to see somebody get in trouble. I tell you, that's what I pray for my children. I pray for my children. I tell the folks at church, pray for God to trouble your family till they cannot find any place to go but to Christ. I mean, I don't care what he has to do for them. If he has to pull their house down around them, if he has to let their cars break down, if he has to let them get sick, if he has to, they have to lose everything they've got and have to move back with me. I don't care. As long as God brings them to such a troublesome state that they got no place to go but to Christ. That's what I, that's where he brought me. And that's where he brought you. You have no, you have no place to go but to him. And when you have nowhere to go but to him, you know what you'll do? And once you go to him, ain't nothing going to drive you away. And here's the next word, grace, for by grace are you saved. Grace, grace, just a charming sound. <laughs> it, it's a, I, love to, I just love to say the word, grace, free grace, sovereign grace, saving grace, powerful grace, grace on purpose. <laughs> I just love the word. And this word... The scripture is full of this word. The first time it's used in Genesis 6, 8, where he says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But it was used, it's used 115 times in the New Testament, 38 times in the Old Testament. And grace, his, his, grace is God given his favor to people who don't deserve it. It's Him loving us without finding any reason to love us and giving us grace without finding any reason in us to do it. He can't, there's no reason in Him to give us grace. There's no reason in Him, in us for Him to love us. Not one reason. There's lots of reasons for him not to. There's lots of reasons for him not to give us grace. But the only reason he does is found in himself. And I thank God that's the way it is. If, 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 and if, if what, what grace is, it's favor. It is favor that one finds in the eyes of a superior from whom he can't claim favorable treatment as a right. He can't claim it. We can't, if, 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 if you can claim grace then you, as a right, then it ceases to be grace. And someone doesn't receive grace, what can you say? No one deserved it anyway. No one deserved it anyway. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Look over here, and, and if you will, with me in Luke chapter 1. In verse 30. You know Mephibosheth. Here was a. Here was a. Enemy of David's. And David said. Is there anyone. Of the house of Jonathan. The house of Saul. That I. Can show kindness to. Is there anyone. I don't care who he is. Is there any left that I can show some kindness to? He couldn't get there. He's lame on his feet. He couldn't get to David. And when David sent somebody to get him, he said, go fetch him. 
The first thing he thought when that fellow come in there said, I'm going to take you over. The king wants to see you. David wants to see you. The first thing he thought, said, I'm dead man. I'm a dead man. That's the first thing went through his mind. I'm a dead man. He's going to kill me. Oh, the way my, way my grandfather treated him. But boy, oh boy, when he got in the king's presence, the first thing he says, oh, what? Why look a staff on such a dead dog as I am? <laughs> David, the first word out of don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. <laughs> and that's what God does for us. He goes and fetches us and brings us. And then he says, restore everything that he lost. And set him at my table. He's going to eat right here. For the rest of his life. And we sat at the king's table. And we eat there the rest of our lives. And oh listen. But look here in Luke one thirty. And oh my. Listen to what the angel said to Mary. He's talking to Mary now. And the angel said unto her. Fear not Mary. Listen to this. For thou hast found favor. With God. Oh she found favor. You know Mary. Had to be saved. The same way. Mary Magdalene had to be saved. Mary Magdalene. And oh my, Saul of Tarsus, you know what he said about grace? He, used to, he, he spoke of grace more than any, over a hundred times himself out of his own writings. But he says, when it pleased God, who called me by what? His grace. His grace. Moses asked the question. Now, let's look at this. I, I don't want you to, you know, I, I don't want to wear you out with this, but I think if we look at these verses of Scripture together, I think we remember them better. I think they, they, they help, help stay with us better. Look in Exodus 33 and verse 12. With me, verse 13. Have I, oh, listen, they, they, uh, people ask in the Old Testament, if I have found grace in thy sight, if I found grace in your sight, would you do this? Would you do that? But look what Moses says now. Now therefore, now God has used Moses, you know he has. Brought him through the Red Sea, used him in Egypt. Now I therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight. He's talking to God. Show me now thy way. Oh, Lord, show us your way. Show us your way. Teach me thy way, oh, Lord. Teach me thy way. And then he goes on, not only show me thy way, but give me grace that I might know, know, know thee. I want to know you. I want to know Christ. I do not want to miss Christ. I know me. I know how weak I am, how frail I am, I don't want to miss Christ. And look what else he goes on to say. That I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight. And consider this nation, thy people. And he says, my presence shall go with you and I'll give you rest. And he said this, oh, if your presence don't go with me, don't carry us up. I don't want to go if you don't go. And then, oh, listen, Moses still goes on and says this, for wherein shall it be known here that I have and thy people have found grace in thine sight? Oh, how can I know? And I tell you what, that's what we want. We want grace. 
And you know where God's grace is found at? God's grace is in Christ. He gives us to us in Christ. That water came out of the rock. I'm going to tell you how God taught me the gospel. How He opened up the gospel to me in one verse of Scripture. One verse of Scripture. I was having a struggle, David. I was having a real struggle. Whether salvation was of grace and grace and works or whether holiness was something we did or something God did. And I mean, I was having a struggle. And I'd run across some messages and some preachers and and they was just confronting me with things that I had to confront myself with. But the thing that brought me to that, I had a lot of people that would make professions under me. And that last six or eight months and it all go right back to the world. And I said, what is my message? What am I preaching? That these people cannot last more than six or eight or ten months and they're right back where they started from. So I started examining my message. And I mean, I was between a rock and a hard place. I'd go out in the field and I'd crawl under the leaves and cover myself up in the leaves and lay there in agony before the Lord. Oh God, what in the world am I going to do? I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to. Oh, I was in an awful state of mind. So I went up on the hill by way. I got a mountain right behind my house. Walked up that mountainside and I got up there and I had a shotgun and, and some shells. I said, I'll go up here squirrel hunting. And I always, I carried a Bible with me everywhere I went. And I had a Bible and I was sitting there and I set my gun over here against the tree and I got my Bible out and opened it up and started reading it. And I got to 2 Timothy. One nine. You don't know what that says? I mean, I'm not saying a light from heaven shone on it, but it lit up to me. I mean, it lit up to me. God, who hath saved us, according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus, before the world began. I'm telling you what, buddy, my world, my world changed. <laughs> God's called us and saved us, called us with a holy call. That's our holiness. By grace, that's without our works. In Christ, before the world ever began. That's for I got here. Oh my, I come down off that hill, I tell you what. You know, that, that gospel means that it makes you laugh, dance, and shout for joy. And that's what I was doing. I, I was happy. Oh, I was so blessed. But I'll tell you what else it is. It's grace and truth in Christ. And grace, not only is grace, look back in our text, but it said it's the gift of God. Not only is it grace, but it's the gift of God. And so if it's a gift of God, that means it's free. And God's not able, obligated to give it to anybody. And you know what he said? I'll show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And I'll have compassion upon whom I'll have compassion. And you know what I heard old Maurice Montgomery say one time? He said, since God said I will have mercy, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get in line. I'm going to get in line. If he's giving it up, I want to get in line and get some of it. Don't you? Oh, he's giving out mercy. Lord, here I am. Here I am. Oh, listen. Grace is entirely dependent on God's will. 
It's never deserved. If it's of grace, then it's not of works. And if it's of works, then it's not of grace. You can't mix the two. You can't do it. And oh my, and I tell you, men in the Bible, men in the Bible, and men in God's Word, and wherever you find people who love the grace of God, have been taught the grace of God, they're overwhelmed by the grace of God. Grace came. It must come to us because we can't go get it. We can't go get it. And then grace is love. God who is rich in love. Rich in love. Love unconditional. Love unevoked. Love undeserved. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Amazing grace how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found. Was blind but now I see. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. And oh, how grace come and my fears, my fears relieved. Oh, grace, grace, grace and more grace. God give us grace. Oh, and then he says here, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself is the gift God, and he says, not of works, not of works. And you know what that means? That means not by weeping. People say, boy, if you, if, if you, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if I told you all this story, and I'm going to tell you another true story. First time I went to see Brother Henry Mahan, didn't he? I thought he was dead. I heard some tapes by him. I thought, boy, he's like Barnard. He's gone. Where in the world is there anybody that believes this gospel that God's teaching me? And I was with a man, we was up in Portsmouth, Ohio. I said, oh no, he's got a church down here on 13th Street in Ashland, Kentucky. I said, no, he don't. He said, yeah, he does. I called information. That's when I had dial-up phones, you know. <laughs> I called dial I said, give me 13th Street Baptist Church. Phone rung. It's Henry Mahan. <sighs> I said, this is Donnie Bell, and I'm up here in Portsmouth. Do you kind of care if I come down and see you? No, come on down here. We, it was raining. We drove up there and went in. I met him and visited with him for a little while. And, and he had a book on his desk, an original copy by Horatius Bonar called God's Way of Peace. And he put his arm around me and I was getting ready to go. And he said, Chubby, <laughs> he said, here, take this book. Take it home with you. And you read this book, and you read it, and you'll learn the gospel. Well, I did. I read that book and read that book and read that book. Well, later, Tommy Robinson and I was up in a meeting up in Chapmansville, West Virginia. In October, I drove down to see Brother Henry. Called him to see if I'd come down to see him. I, he was sitting at his desk, and I was sitting in a chair in front of his desk. And I, you know, I'm going to be pious. I'm going to be wise. I'm going to show him, you know, I, I, man, I know, I know a little something. Don't know much, but I know a little something. And I said, I know, I said, I, I said, I know, Brother Mahan, it's the gospel soaked in our tears. Henry come across that desk and put his finger in my eye. 
He said, let me tell you something. Said, it's the gospel whether you ever shed a tear or anybody sheds a tear. Said, you learn to, you learn to use the language right or don't use it at all. <laughs> I couldn't even drive when I left that. That told me to drive. I said, shook up. But that taught me, he, he was honest with me. He dealt honestly with me. If a man never sheds a tear, the gospel's the power of God. It's not by will. It's not by weeping. It's not by working. It's by the gospel. It's by grace. And if you ever see grace, you'll shed some tears in your lifetime. But your tears ain't going to add anything to God's grace. Mm-mm. And then look what else it said. I, I got to hurry on. Not only is it grace, faith, saved, and then look at faith. And it says that for you are saved by grace, are you saved through faith? And that's not of yourself. If grace is not of yourselves, and that's the gift of God, then faith is not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. And that not of yourselves. Now, faith is an instrument. Faith is an instrument that God gives us. Faith is an empty hand. Faith is an empty hand and God puts it in that empty hand. That's what He does. You know, and what it is, is it takes everything from God freely. And I tell you, grace brought faith to us. God in His grace, He brought faith and put it in our hearts. And gave us this ability, this, this, this wondrous gift. And He put it in our hearts to trust Him, to look to Him, to cast ourselves on Him, to bow before Him, to acknowledge Him, to embrace Him. And faith never ever looks to itself. I don't never look to see whether I have faith or not. I don't, you know how I know I got faith? Because my faith is outside myself. Christ died for me. My faith didn't, Christ did. But Christ and the grace brought me faith and gave me faith. And He gives me faith to believe Him and treat the faith like it was mine to start with. That's an amazing thing. Like it's something we have. He gives it to us and then blesses us for having it. Faith, listen, faith is as good as its object. And if Christ is its object, then it's the right faith. Huh? Our faith is objective. Christ is outside of us. Christ was on a cross. Christ is on a throne. We we go to, how in the world do we go to Christ and Him on a throne? We have to go by faith. And we go because we trust Him. We go because we love Him. Oh, thank God for faith. If its object is self, get rid of it. If its object is your works, get rid of it. If its object is its free will, get rid of it. If its object is I made a decision, throw it away. If it's in an old experience, well, I got saved back yonder and I can take you to the time. I can tell you the time and I can take you to the place. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Huh? But oh my. If faith has anything, 
but Christ. Get rid of it. Huh? Get rid of faith has to have Christ as in his person. That God man. In his person. We come to a person. Listen. You know, we embrace one another. I tell you what, I embrace Christ and Christ embraces me. It's real. It's not something pretended. It's not something spiritual we dream up. I mean, Christ, you can feel Him. You can touch Him. You can embrace Him. You can, you can have a relationship with Him. You can talk with Him. And He can love you back to the depths of your soul. Oh, listen. That's why we... The only thing that we, the only reason we want to go to glory is to be with Him. Oh, people say, I'm going to go see my mama. No, I'm going to go see Christ. I'm going to go see my wife. I'm going to go see Christ. I'm going to go see all them folks who went before me. I'm going to go see Christ. Amen. I don't care who else is there as long as I'm there and I see Him. And faith looks to Him. And His righteousness, His love, His faithfulness. Take your eyes, take your faith off of Christ, and what do you have left? Nothing. But if you got Christ, and you're looking to Him for everything, His righteousness is yours, His faithfulness keeps you, his love embraces you, and everything. If you have Him, you got every you got everything that heaven and God intends you to have, and He ain't gonna give you no more than that, is He, David? He ain't gonna he ain't gonna give you no more than that, is He? Is He, Joseph? He ain't gonna give you no more than that. But oh, you take your eyes off of Christ, off of your faith of Christ, and you'll just have despair, depression, and discouragement. Oh, that's why he says, it's not of yourselves. It's not of yourselves. What is it then? It's the gift of God. <laughs> All right, let me wind it up with verse 10. Verse 10. I love this here. Verse 10. For we are His workmanship. You know what that word workmanship means? It means poema. We're his handiwork. We're his poem. We're his poem. <laughs> the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. We're his workmanship. Since salvation is by grace and not of works, it has to be a work of God. We're his workmanship. You know, a, a, a workman's known by the quality of his work. I know a couple of men that if they want to, if you want them to come work for you, and you say, "Well, I want it done this way," and they'll say, "No, it needs to be done this way." And if it's going to be done right, this is the way I would do it. And if you don't want to do it the way he wants to do it, he'll say, "Well, just get somebody else," because I want my work when it's done to be done right. You reckon God does the work right? <laughs> Well, let's call somebody else. No, 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 no. 
<laughs> oh, and not only that, we're his workmanship, but it says we're created in Christ Jesus. This is a creation. God creates us. He which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And saving a sinner, he takes a man and he creates something new and puts in that man. He creates a new man and he puts in that man. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that new man is the one that fellowships and communes with God and that understands the Bible. The natural man don't do it. That new man does so. And oh my, in the original creation, no resistance. But in saving us, he had to overcome us. He had to, he had to manifest his power and make us willing. And oh my, we're his workmanship. We're his workmanship. We're his poema. And I tell you, every sinner that God has saved is an exhibition of His blessed grace. Of His blessed grace. And created in Christ Jesus. Oh my, a mystery of grace is this. That a believer claims nothing good of himself, but yet they're the best people on the face of this earth. There's not a soul in this building that's a believer tonight that say, boy, there's nothing good in me. But yet, I'd rather be with you than be with anybody else. <laughs> They're the finest people on the earth. Ain't that right? That's a mystery of grace. You know, and, and, and if somebody says, have you done a good work today? No. No. That God created us unto good works. And you know the only people that brag about works is the people that our Lord Jesus Christ says, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. And then the, the, the Lord's people say, When? Yeah. When? Yeah. Yeah. When? When did we ever do, we do anything? <laughs> oh, what a wonderful Savior is Jesus our Lord. 